Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. I want to take a minute to let you know all about a brand new contest put on by my friend, Bello Cipriani, who you heard in episode 114 telling us all about queerness, blindness, and disability. Well, he started a publishing company a while back called Ola Books, and they are committed to amplifying the stories of disabled writers. This year, in partnership with Pen to Paper, an international creative writing competition with the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities, Oleb Books has announced a new award for disabled writers, the Oleb Books Personal Essay Award. For this inaugural award, the team has chosen the theme of disabled parents. Now, I know there are so many disabled parents out there with something to say and a story to tell. What are the challenges of being disabled and raising a kid? What is disabled pregnancy like? Could you be a disabled mom or dad, or neither, or both? And so much more. Winners of this contest will receive $50 and have their essay featured in an anthology published by Oleb Books and be part of a big national marketing campaign. You can enter the contest by heading over to olebbooks.com contests, or you can click on the link in the show notes of today's episode of Disability After Dark. Thanks, friends! This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Cripple Content Creations presents... Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey there, friends. Welcome to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and I am your disability awareness consultant, your cripple content creator, your number one career cripple your disabled dreamboat, I'm all those things, and I'm here to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you today. Let's get this show started. Also, it's really kind of weird to like sit in front of my computer and hype myself up knowing that I'm talking to my audience, but also I'm recording totally by myself in my room. So when I do things like, let's get the show started, it's really weird to be like doing that alone in your house. Just FYI, you get to understand kind of the weirdness of recording a show as the, as your own producer. That's the weirdness. You have to really make yourself, like, get yourself in the zone to record to do this. But anyway, enough of that weirdness. Um, Let's get things going. Hope you get comfy, cozy, and crippled. Let's get started. First things first, just want to let you know that we have some awesome really awesome Patreon pledgers I want to let you know all about. I got a Patreon pledge in my box the other day for $50. Just flat like that. Somebody just was like, I'm going to give you 50 bones a month to help your show go. And I was floored and I want to thank the person who did that. And they are Richard Nacy Warner. Richard, I just want to thank you so much for spending that much money on my little show to help the show keep going means a lot and it's really important to me and I am just so thankful that you have the means to do that and you're willing to put it behind the show. I have no pun because I just appreciate you and so thanks. If you are able to pledge and I know that some of that some of you can't and that's totally fine, but if you have the financial accessibility to do that, you can head over to patreon.com slash crippled content and pledge for as little as one dollar a month. Just like my good friend Taylor did, who just recently pledged a dollar a month. Taylor, 
thank you. Thank you so much. It means the world. Thanks for putting your dollar behind this show. I still can't believe people are giving me money, and thank you. Thanks so much for listening and making crippled content a real thing and something that I can say I'm really doing and make it part of my job, and I appreciate you all so much. And whenever I have more room for puns and to make hilarious shoutouts, I'll do more of that. But thank you, all of you. And now, on to the show. Also, I think I'm only recording with one headset working right now, one earbud working. Pretty sure I ran over my other earbud, which is one of the one of the one of the pitfalls of, of being a disabled creator is sometimes you run over your equipment with your power wheelchair. And I'm pretty sure I did that the other day because I can only hear out of one earbud, which makes listening back to the edit super fun for me. But uh, anyway, let's get on with the show, and I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest today. On the show today, I sit down with disabled stand-up Danielle Perez, and we talk about devoteeism and her experiences dealing with guys in L.A. who want to do weird things to her stumps and her legs and just want to be really weird about her disability. We also have a discussion about how she's writing the first romantic comedy with a disabled lead. Fuck yeah, she is. We have a chat about that. We also talk about the difficulties of accessibility in LA when she's hunting for good dick. And I know what that's like when accessibility is crap and you just want to get some good dick on a decent dude. I know, I know it can be a tough road. We have a really fun, playful chat that goes into important areas that I think we need to talk more about in disability, and I'm glad that she was here to do that with me. So, without further ado, please welcome Danielle Perez to Disability After Dark right now. Danielle Perez, hello. Welcome to Disability After Dark. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you for having me, Andrew. I'm so glad you're here. It's so funny how we connect. Well, we connected because I'd seen you on the Twitter sphere before we started chatting, and then you tweeted to somebody about this show, and I was like, "That's yeah. cool! People listen to my like, that's awesome!" So thank you for that. Um, and then I then I started looking at your like you sent me your stuff, and I started like doing my research on you, and you're kind of a big deal. So yeah. like, <laughs> thank you. I'm kind of, like you're kind of a celebrity, like. I know, I haven't sat down with Jimmy Kimmel and had discussions. I didn't meet. <laughs> well, now you're sitting down with me and having a discussion. So I mean, transitive property. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you right. and Jimmy are fast friends. <laughs> um. So you are Danielle Perez. You live in LA. Uh. Yeah. Why do you Why do you introduce yourself more and tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. I am a stand-up comedian. I'm an actress and I'm a writer. And I'm disabled. I'm a barrel below the knee amputee. I use a manual wheelchair, and I live in Los Angeles, California. Fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I think you are. I think you're officially the first amputee I've had on the show. So. Oh really? I think so. Really. I could be wrong. I could totally <laughs> be wrong. And if I, if I am wrong. To whoever I had in the show who wasn't MT, I love you and I'm sorry, but I don't remember us having a, having a discussion about being an amputee on the show. But so, but anyway, you're one of two probably. So that's awesome. Um, that's so. I I think that's like very interesting. I don't know. Like, well, I mean, and this whole. <laughs> I feel like. Oftentimes, like being an amputee is like very like entry level disability. <laughs> because I've never heard it really described that way before. All you are is missing like a body part. Not that that doesn't make your life difficult, and not that you're not disabled and like deal with ableism and all of that. But I mean, compared to I think like what um, people that like with chronic illness and things like that yeah. have to deal with, like really, it makes you um, it, lose having not a body part makes you normative enough that you're passable to be yeah normal yeah yeah or the idea of what normal yeah, is, what normal is supposed quote, to be normal. yeah yeah the, all the, all of those identity politics are so fucked and it's yeah so many issues, things um your questionnaire as you know we talked about this before i hit record there's so many things i want to ask you because everything you said i was like yep that yep yep <laughs> so um the very first thing you said you're like 
let's talk about how dating online as a disabled person sucks. That's like literally what you put in your questionnaire. And I was like, yes, let's go yeah. there. So <laughs> I would think it would be talked to death now because like it's disability and sex podcast. So I'm sure everyone's just like, yeah, it's trash. I mean, they, <laughs> ha- yeah, they have, they definitely, people have said that and I've said that, but I want to hear like, what is it like for you to be like an online dater trying to navigate that stuff? Like, how do you, how do you do all that? Um, I mean, I just like, I'm pretty exhausted by it right now. Like, um, when I first, so I lost my legs when I was 20 and then I moved back to Los Angeles, like where I'm from and I moved in with my mom. And so I was living there until I was like 28. It's <laughs> a long time <laughs> to be living with your mom. <laughs> And then I moved it's into like my own place. It's like all your formative years of like growing up. Yeah, yeah, it's like I'm a young adult, psych, um, <laughs> living with my mom. So I moved to my own place in LA at 28. And then that's like when I started doing online dating. Um, and it was just kind of like this like wild ride of <laughs> just, whoa, came in our trash. But then also, what? a devotee because <laughs> I was very open and honest about my disability you know what yeah. I mean it's like I have yeah. like cute selfie pics I have like full body pics I put you know I'm an amputee I use a manual wheelchair I don't have feet um you know stairs are a little bit difficult but I do have a handicap parking sign so you know it's pretty chill I'm fine um and I was getting messages from like men like all over the U.S. Like, can I have pictures of your stumps? Oh, come on. And just like, I'm a devotee. Have you heard of that? It's like an ass man or having a preference for blondes. It's like, no, you're completely fetishizing my entire existence. Yeah. As a disabled person, that's disgusting. Like, I, I, I think it's such a tough, because part of what they're saying is true. There are people who are devotees, and I've talked to them on the show, who genuinely are like, yeah, your disability is one of the most attractive parts about you. Let's let's explore that. There are people who are really into that and who do it in a positive way. And But there are a lot of people Just who... There, I don't know, man. It was real... Like, getting those messages really icky, but then I, like, met a devotee in real life, and that was pretty bad. Wow, let's... I need to hear that well, story. No, so, like... You know, I was getting all these messages, and I, like, didn't really understand it. But then I was very, also very new to dating, just in general. Because, like, all of my 20s, I was hooking up with guys or whatever. But it was, like, I'm disabled. I was trying to use prosthetics, mostly using a manual wheelchair. Like, in your early 20s in Los Angeles, no one wants to date the disabled girl. There was just, like, a lot of that going on. So it wasn't like I was, like... I never had a boyfriend. I never really, and like in high school, I went to all girls Catholic high school, pretty much like a loser in high school. I didn't really date. So was I, so was I. Like in San Francisco, when I was there, like going to school before the accident, like I was also just, I was like very young, sex and city, like I'm out and I'm exploring the world, but it wasn't like I had a boyfriend or anything like that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. My dating experience was super limited, and I remember I was, like, going back and forth, essentially like a pen pal with this guy, and, like, I realized in hindsight, I was like, oh, my God, that dude was totally a devotee. Like, he never said that, and we always, like, had, like, conversations about, like, each other's lives and stuff like that. We would, like, text and talk on the phone, and then, like, he told me about his ex-girlfriends, and, like, one of them was, like, amputee missing an arm I think another one was missing a leg like he never used the word devotee and then um I realized what that was I deleted him from my phone kind of just like forgot about it I got like a message super randomly like this was like I'm 34 you know what I mean this was a long time ago yeah um I got like a text from him <laughs> recently and I didn't know who it was I was like oh I'm sorry I don't know who this is and then um like, I never deleted the number or the text message. I never delete text messages from my phone. And then, like, six months later, I got another text. And I was like, I don't know who this is. And he was like, oh, 
Chris from Baltimore, I guess, like, you don't remember. I guess you're too big for me now, like, too famous for me. And no, then I was like, my God. I, and I was like, wait a minute, the devotee? And he's like, wow, I didn't know we were name calling. I was like, that's what the fuck you are. Don't ever contact me again. <laughs> I, mean, I just like come on. And I mean, I, and I think like I didn't because I just I didn't know and I didn't put two and two together. And then I realized what it was, and I was like, yeah, you actually know. Like you're really like gross for this. Um, don't ever and, again. And I mean, I think part of that is not, and it's not that he couldn't be attracted to you because you're a disabled person. It's the way. From- it's a fetish, and you're fetishizing. I think it's very different when you have a fetish for like a specific kink or something like that, something that is outside of you. But when your disability is your identity, I think that's when it crosses bounds. It's like, you know what I mean? Like to fetishize a black person or an Asian person. It's like they can't stop being Asian or black. I can't stop being disabled. It's It's when you turn that into your whole reason for being with that person that's where i where i draw the line and so i can see why you were like mm, okay and also because he was being creeper about it like he would text you and you'd be like i don't know who this is like let me know and he would just like not like come on it's weird it's just so weird it's just yeah no i mean also too it's like yeah i mean it's like i was like texting with him when i was like 28 and it's like now i'm 34 and it's like you still have my number like what's wrong with you yeah it's a bit cre- it's, it's very a- bizarre um it's like I haven't thought of you in literally years. How crazy. But I did a show in LA um, when I was like first starting out. And this older man was on it. Um, he considers himself a humorist, which, wow, <laughs> not funny. Um, <laughs> so I finished the show, it was outside. He comes up to me, he goes, You're gorgeous you're funny and the fact that you don't have feet really does it for me and i just was like oh my god i cannot literally run away from the situation i'm terrified i can't yeah <laughs> it's too much i need to get out um he was he was a hot mess he was like have you ever considered having an affair with a married man <laughs> i was like oh Whoa. what is happening right now no no because i love making poor choices i was like "Mm, let's see where this rabbit hole leads and (laughs) i met up with him in like a dark bar in la like during the day like it was noon and i'm just like another whiskey soda um and we started like making out in the booth or whatever and he was like telling me about his like what devo like what that means for him like to be a devotee and stuff like that. And it was just like, he didn't see me. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, like, he, saw, it was like, he saw that you had no feet, but then he, that you're not Danielle. Yeah. It was like, I could have been literally anyone. anyone. It was like, he was seeing through me. It was like a very creepy experience. And then, um, and then we made out and he fingered me and then he told me about his one man show and I was like, oh, actually my pussy is done. And uh, <laughs> how embarrassing and sad for you. I never want to hear about your one man show and this whole situation's over. <laughs> actually, my body parts are finished with you. You may leave now. Yeah, it was pretty, it was just like really wild. It's like when I had the experience with the devotee back in my college days, years and years ago, and I brought the guy home, and I don't know if I've told this story before, I brought the guy home, and he ended up making out with my chair. I was not in my chair, he was having a whole moment with, yeah, he was having a whole moment with my chair. And I was like, I don't know how to feel about this, what's happening? That's so wild. Oh my god, it's like an episode of a nip tug with the dude that fucked the couch. Yeah, it's <laughs> really, really, it was so weird. Oh and my god. I was like, you can't, I don't want your body on my body. You should probably go. It's like, do you know you can just buy a wheelchair and like fuck it at home? Like, you don't, I don't need to be involved in anything. Yeah, you can totally. You don't have to, I don't want to watch it. I don't have to participate. You can go to any, any medical supply store, grab one for cheap. Go on Kijiji if you have to. Somebody's probably selling one. Like, yeah. So, um. Oh my God. That's <laughs> nuts. 
I know. Wheelchairs are so dirty. They really are. <laughs> anyone who's a wheelchair user will tell you we drop food in our chairs. We, I mean, I mean, things, bodily functions I happen in there sometimes. Everything. Like, <gasps> yeah, you don't really want to fuck a wheelchair. It's got dirt on it. There are things. Yeah, no, no. Oh my god, so wild. Um. Uh. <laughs> yeah, like mm, I don't. No one's ever licked my stumps. Sorry, I don't want anyone who's like overly trying to <laughs> caress them or feel them like that. I'm quite quite okay. Like, <laughs> oh my god. I love how you're like. No. I'm quite. I'm good. Quite okay. I'm quite all right. Okay. Right. <laughs> Um, so I'm also really curious because you're in your questionnaire, you said you're an Afro, you're an Afro Latino woman and you live in LA. And so I'm, I'm curious about like how your relationship to disability within all those cultures, how does, how do those cultures like understand disability? Is it something that was talked about? Is it something that's kind of shied away from? I mean, I don't know. Like, I am Afro-Latina. My parents are from the Dominican Republic, but I grew up in Los Angeles, and there is not a large Dominican population here at all. Like, I grew up in a very, like, Mexican, Central American neighborhood. The idea of me being Dominican, it's like, people are just like, what? They're like, are you Black and Mexican? Like, I was asked that all the time growing up. So even this, like, identity as an Afro-Latina is very new to me just because the way, like, Latinos understand race because, like, Latino, Hispanic isn't a race. It's, like, it's, you know, region. It's, um, you know, South America, Central America, the Caribbean. And it's basically, like, Spanish-speaking nations. Yeah. Within that, it's, like, you have people from, like, the African diaspora because of colonization, indigenous people, and, like, European colonizers. So... Latino is every color under the sun. The Afro-Latino, you know, there's so much colorism within, like, um, POC populations, yep. you know, like, within the Latinx community, the whiter you are, the more, like, European you're perceived to be. So everyone kind of wants to pretend like they're not black, even though there's something in there. So I don't, like, I just didn't grow up around, like, Dominican people besides my family. So I don't know if, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know what culturally that is, I guess. Like, yeah. what the response to my disability is beyond really, like, just the response to it, like, being American and growing up in Los Angeles, because I lost my legs when I was 20. I didn't grow up disabled. Yeah, yeah. So I already existed, like... You've existed as, in, a, as a non-disabled person. Before. For so long. Yeah. So I think really, more than anything, it was the shock of really witnessing the way people treated me with just, like, pity and curiosity. And that's just, like, people on the street, like, strangers, like, people I have no relation to. Do you know what I'm saying? All the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so it's, but it was, like, just so mind-blowing to me because I I felt like an insect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. just with a magnifying glass, like, I remember <laughs> one time I was at Starbucks and... Um, I was sitting on like a stool at the counter and this child like crawls underneath and puts his arms underneath my leg, like across, like <laughs> where are the feet? Like he's doing some sort of magic trick. Oh, and no. I looked at his mom like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not a science experiment. No. And I wish like it was like early on in my disability. Um, and I wish, like, I would have, like, told her something, like, check your fucking bratty-ass child, um, your rude-ass child. Now I have no problem saying that. <laughs> um, I love when little kids are like, what happened? And I was like, a car hit me. <laughs> Santa stole them from me. Like, 
I don't care. It's a rude question. And if parents don't like it, and people are disabled, people are real with them. It's like then you should teach your child not to and like, I don't just come up to strangers and demand explanations for their existence. Yes, yeah, exactly. I don't think telling a kid the the truth is a bad thing either. Like I don't think I think kids should know. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think that telling I think allowing a child to go up to a stranger that they have no relation to, that they have no um, connection with, and demanding a reason for their existence yeah. is yeah, I know completely. I think that's inappropriate. I, I think, think you know. I know you were friends, we're having conversations. Yeah. That it'll come up maybe organically, maybe not. But it's like, why do you need to know? You know, same with like people's like sexuality. It's like, are you gonna go up to everyone that you think is maybe trans or non-binary or maybe someone who like looks straight or looks gay? I don't know what that looks like. You know, but just ask them: Are you gay? Are you straight? Are you? queer are you bi are you non-binary it's like that's inappropriate you don't demand that of people yeah, that you don't yeah. know and I think it's like are, are you trying to fuck me i don't know like otherwise this is a dumb question <laughs> and i think like when the kid when the kid that because kids have asked me that and i've i have decided to answer because you, depending on how the kid asks and if they're like adorable and they genuinely like have questions they're like all right sure i'll Come on, sure. But if the kid runs up to me and grabs my joystick, which I've had them do, they grab my oh. joystick and, like, almost hurt themselves. And it's like, no, child, you're, like, where is your parent? And why is, and then so I had one instance where I ran over a kid. Not, not like, not really hard, but I, I ran over their toe. Sure. Wink. I ran over him. <laughs> not on purpose, wink. Like, no, like, I, he actually, like, he grabbed my joystick and he hurt himself. And I... And the he, the mother got upset with me, and I said, "No, no, no! Your kid didn't pay attention. Like I didn't do anything wrong. Your kid was the problem here. You yeah. should fix what's going on. I was just living my day." Yeah, and it's like I gotta coddle this like able-bodied child and an able-bodied parent. I'm so over that emotional labor. Yeah, like, like <laughs> if I'm gonna do that, then then pay me for my time. Thanks. Pay me. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I just like the whole, oh my God, like children and able-bodied people like demanding that stuff of you. I'm very, I'm very over it. And like, there was like a video of a woman who was like going off oh, yeah, I saw on that. this video. disabled woman who had a service animal. And it was like a, maybe a service animal in training, I yeah. believe. And the like child or the mother asked if they could pet the dog and was told no. And the mother's whole beef was that you didn't have to be so rude. It's like no is a complete sentence. Yeah. No means no. And I said but no. My dog <laughs> so is working. Crazy. Like my dog is is working right now. Therefore, no. Like just because your kid wants to pet a dog, go to the pet store. Like, like, like. Yeah, but like, oh, but the idea, it's like, well, they weren't nice saying it. It's like. I don't have to explain it. I don't have to, like, no is no. That's yeah, not, I you asked the question, you got the answer. I don't, like, I didn't say no, bitch. I said no. That's <laughs> I don't fine. Have, I don't have to be nice about it because it's my dog. That's it. Yeah, it's so crazy. Um, yeah, people are very bonkers. So, yeah, no, I don't know, like, I mean, I know that, like, you know, the Dominican Republic is super not accessible. Generally, um, Traveling isn't accessible, and New York, where there's a very large Dominican population, not accessible. So it's always um, an interesting situation trying to figure out how to <laughs> how to exist in spaces. No, totally. <laughs> and I love New York, but yes, totally not accessible in many in many ways. Um, <laughs> but I fucking love it there, and if like it's one of my favorite. You love it. I love, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm over it. I don't know, because I grew up going there, and it was fun. And I think because, like, it is so inaccessible, I'm just like, it's not worth it. I live in a city. I live in Los Angeles. Did you know Los Angeles is a great city? It's sunny. We don't experience weather. <laughs> we, it's just heat, and um, there's, like, room on the streets you can <laughs> you can operate a vehicle with relative ease i also love la anybody <laughs> out there in la who wants to book me to come talk out there hire me again i love it out there i was, I was there for one day this past summer to do a thing with grinder oh nice 
And then, I mean, then Grindr, all their LGBTQ stuff has been eviscerated because digital media is ridiculous. Uh, so, but I was at so the everything you did is like, well, that was a cool thing. I mean, they, they, people saw it and it's great, but it's like not a thing anymore. But like, Bummer. LA is, I love LA. I loved it there. I loved the, I, I went in, we went in the summertime, so it was warm here. Too. It was warm in Toronto too. Yeah. But like, uh, LA is great. And do you like, do you find, so how do you find like bars and dating and like, like accessibility out there for you? Like, is it, it's, um, I mean, accessibility is, I think, better in L.A. than New York, for sure, because it's just a newer city. Yeah. So in terms of, like, infrastructure, um, there's the way it's built. There's just more space. It's not, you know, a city that was, like, founded in, like, I don't know, the 1700s or the 1800s, <laughs> and, like, they've just kind of kept trying to modernize it. Um, but it's, like... I feel like nowhere cool is accessible. Like, and that's the thing that kind of sucks is that what are the places that are accessible? It's like the DMV and the Cheesecake Factory, and like, who wants to go there? Like, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I want to go to that cool dive bar. You know what I mean? That you need a password, that you have to go through like a coat closet to get to, and you know it's down three flights of stairs. So basically, what you want like is cool you want a party. Like want, I want to go to the cool shit. You basically no, you want never an, accessible. Basically, you want an accessible Narnia. Is what you want? You want to go through like a coat closet to get to like the cool place? Not an accessible Narnia, but it's like I want to experience the same dope things that. No. A able body get to experience. Yeah, you know what I mean? Course. Like spaces that are hidden and neat and exclusive. And it, I think like that's like the thing that is kind of tricky about exclusivity and that idea of like VIP or something cool. You need a password or like you got to get on the mailing list or you got to be texted this GIF to be let in is that they're created and exist to be spaces that like the who's who has like figured out how to like get in. But with disability, it's like most of the world is like that. (laughs) And it's not even that it's cool. It's just that like, Oh, I just need to go to the store I just need to handle my business. I need to run my errands, and it becomes just a, a obstacle course. <laughs> oh yeah, situation. It becomes, it becomes like a huge clusterfuck <laughs> all the time, just trying to get do your day. Sort of running the CVS to get stuff done is like, yeah, right, sure. Um, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I know sometimes I'll do like one errand and be like, I did a lot. I did. I went to Target. Yeah, yeah. I did my. I, did yeah. out. <laughs> I went out. I got my coffee, and I got home, and I dealt with five. Five instances of ableism, and now I'm done for the day. That's it. I'm done, and I did it. But, um, I mean, like, going out and dating, like, I... Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this makes it like a good or a bad disabled person. Probably a bad disabled person. But awesome. it's like... I'm right there with you. No, it's, like, cool. Like, the local bar that I'll, like, take my Tinder date to, like, have, like, you know, the late night, you're not a serial killer drink before we come back home is like not accessible. Like that bathroom is, I have to crawl on the floor to use the bathroom, but it's like quiet and dark. There's a smoking patio. It's by my house. So. Uh, it's everything you'd want if you weren't, if you, if it was accessible <laughs> to you. What? It's everything you'd want if it was accessible, if, it, if you could actually get yeah. in. It's perfect. Yeah. Come on, LA. And I feel like that's so many places where it's like, oh, this place would be great if I could use the bathroom. This place would be great if it didn't have three stairs or they got a ramp. Like, this place would be great if, 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 and it's just like, I wish. You should open a bar called If and just put everything (laughs) in the bar. You should just do ramps. You should just do, like, we we should figure it out and just have a chain of bars called what if and have like all of the things we need in there in there what if oh man i don't need to own a bar i said i'd never leave the bar I, mean, <laughs> I never leave it either but it would be such a cool idea 
Um, so, aside from bars being shit, so what is the hunt for quality dick like in LA for you? Because I can tell you, as somebody in Toronto in the dead of winter right now, the hunt for primo dick that isn't attached to some ableist douchebag is super real and super hard. Like, I just, it's like, so, because you're in a place that doesn't experience weather and you can, like, get out a little bit more, I mean, you can't go to the sexy dive bar to have the non-serial killer drink, but, like, do you find... I won't go to the sexy dive bar. I'll, and I think that's, like, the thing is, like, right out the gate, if they're like, oh, there's no, there's only stools, it's like, oh, no, I can sit in the stool. You're going to watch me crawl onto the stool and you're going to be okay with it. Like, this is what it is. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> like, That's amazing. You don't need to touch me. I'm cool. I got it. But <laughs> you can touch me later if you're good. Is, exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, so like, do you find that the guys in LA are like, are they, do you think there's more or less ableism there? Do you, have you found guys that are super cool about it? Like what, what's your experience been that way? Okay, LA is, like, such a bonker city, because, like, dating, there's, like, it's just, like, everyone in stand-up is, like, dating is hard in LA, and it's, like, it's just such a overused premise, but it's so real, because it's, like, such a, it's a city where it's such a huge entertainment capital, so you have all these, like, gorgeous people, everyone who was hot in their piece-of-shit town moves to LA, thinking they're going to be somebody. So you have all of these people and you have like aspiring actors and models and aspiring influencers, like just all of these like gorgeous people. And it's like straight men have infinite options. Like they can be 30 with roommates and date 20 year olds and like never grow up and they can just keep staying like they can keep getting older and there's just going to be new 20 year olds next year you know like so it's like this bizarro Willy Wonka I think for shitty men where they get to or they believe that they can be very like selective and picky and just be like i want kim kardashian like ass which is fake i want like (laughs) you know these lips this hair this thing and um like i'm not a shy person i'm not hard to talk to you know what i mean i'm pretty you know i mean in in the last half an hour that we've been talking what i picked up on is you're like very much a straight shooter you're like here's what it is Boom, boom, boom. Here's, if you don't like it, deal with it. Bye. Like, yeah. That's what it is. It's just like, I'm 34. I'm just kind of like, I think there's a lot of it where it's like, I'm over making men feel better about themselves. Yeah, yeah. I'm not your mom. I'm not your therapist. I'm not, I'm not going to laugh at, like, I remember, oh my God, I was like at a bar like, my friends had had a show there, and then everyone kind of cleared out, and I just was, like, there drinking by myself, and I'm, like, talking to this guy, and he kept, like, he would say things, and then there would just kind of be silence, and then he would go, that was a joke, and I was, like, oh, was that? Oh, did you and think I you were never told him. I never told him I was a stand-up, but it was just, like, what? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I am a stand-up. I'm not going to laugh at something that's not funny. <laughs> to humor you and especially like and i wasn't even doing it to be mean i was like oh my god like was that what seriously a joke? yeah yeah and i think like the dude like tried to go home with me because i like jedi i don't know if i jedi mind trick but he was just like i'm trying to win over this like bitch like she won't laugh at any of my jokes <laughs> let me keep trying and i was just like i mean whatever i don't care like <laughs> Um, you, dude. Have you had um, success taking guys home? Like, yeah. I mean, I went home with him. Like, I don't. You know what I mean? It's like it's not like I hook up with guys. It's like not a big deal. But the the like actual, I think like dating part, like relationship part, is 
a little bit trickier because I think, um, and I feel like there have been like studies on this, like about like online dating where men always think that they can do better than what they are. And yeah. women will oftentimes, they're more likely to be okay doing like dating someone lesser than that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like with like Tinder and OkCupid and stuff like that, a lot of my online dating experience I feel is that I would go out on like perfectly fine first dates with guys and it's like, they're fine. They're cute enough. It's like not that big a deal. And I know I'm very cool. I'm interesting. I have a life, you know, I have interests and hobbies and friends and the date would be fine. There would never really be a second date, but then like six months, eight months later, I'd get like a text like, Hey, what's up? And it's like, Oh, you realize like, I'm actually very cool. <laughs> you were like, you thought you could do better than me. Um, that's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love how, you have such a confidence because for me as a disabled as a disabled person like i am i think i'm confident professionally in my personal life i'm a fucking mess i'm a mess of oh i mean i say this full well knowing that you know i'm just also like in the same like headspace and mindset being like no one will ever love me why am i alone i wish i had a boyfriend like it's it it's it's really wild how like your brain can hold both of, like knowing that I am a value, but then also at the same time being emotionally di like distraught by being alone and, and relationships or think, dates that didn't you, work out. I think even you said, though I think you said it was, you, yeah. you are dope as hell and you feel also completely undesirable all at the same time. And that really, like, that super resonated with me because I know I'm fucking awesome as fuck as a disabled person. I love my disabled identity and I love what it's brought me and how, what it's allowed me to do and how, who it's made me. But also, when I'm home alone at night, M&M's and Oreos are my boyfriend, man. Like, that's who I'm hanging out with because, like... <sighs> but I mean, I have reached this point in my in my sex life where, like, I don't necessarily want a boyfriend. I just want some good dick attached to a relatively good person and like maybe we'll talk yeah about but that in los angeles man that's a fucking unicorn that's <laughs> <laughs> and i like that is really shooting for the moon you know that's a lot <laughs> the i mean i mean the unicorns they're so rare and they're everywhere but it's they we never find them when we want them i know i know <laughs> like i'm, I'm I'm sleeping with a few right now, unicorns. I'm like, wow, you are. I will never be in a relationship, but this, this dick is primo. I'm gonna hang on to this for as long as I got. Yeah, I mean, I. It's like I want a relationship, but honestly, like right now, like with like work, like I am super busy. So I think honestly, like having a relationship would probably be too distracting, if we're being completely honest. Uh, yeah, regular dick would be dope. Um, I mean. Yeah. That would be nice. I think, like, also, too, it's, like, apps are, like, a numbers game. So it's a lot of, like, sending out a bunch of messages, going back and forth, then, like, scheduling, like, the late-night drink to make sure they're not a serial killer. <laughs> so it's, like, finding a night that you don't have it to do anything the next morning or too early. And well, finding, I, like, accessibility, too, at, like, at a at a late night dive bar, finding a place you can actually get into can not always be Oh no, it's always by my place. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm not driving to the west side. I'm sorry, I'm not driving. I'll maybe drive to Silver Lake. Really you're meeting me in Highland Park, um, because my house is in Glassell Park and <laughs> Yeah, um, we're meeting at 11 and I will be there for an hour and if at the end of the hour you are a serial killer <laughs> or I don't want to then it's over <laughs> I mean, but if not then we get to go home and that's fun like 
No, I, I just like how, like, you're so, like, this is what it is, blah, blah, blah. Like, I would be the kind of guy, the kind of person who would be like, oh, yeah, whatever you want. Like, I have a real, pro I have a real, I'm learning how to be more assertive and be like, no, here's what we're doing. Here's what I want. This is what yeah. it is. And so, because normally when it's an able-bodied guy that I like, I do this thing where I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Like, whatever you want to do because you're the able-bodied one and blah, blah, blah. Like to try to like impress them, and so like, I yeah. love that you're like, this is what I'm doing. I will be there for blah, and then I'm getting the fuck out. Bye. Like that's, it's what it is. I mean, I think because it's like, like, like as a woman, not to be like as a woman, but like, I just don't have the time and energy for like dudes and their bullshit. I don't want to be on like. I realized it's like, oh, I could end the state whenever I want to end the state. I don't just have to keep talking and entertaining some dude like, that I don't really like yeah. to try to convince them to like me. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I could also just be like, I'm not that into them. Like, just because we go on a date doesn't mean that we have to, like, be in a serious relationship and get married. You know like, what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh, I'm on a date. It's not that you're seeing if you like me. It's also me seeing if I like you. See, me seeing if I want to fuck you. When I used to date, I don't date so much anymore. I just look for quality deck and then I'm like, get the fuck out. When I used to like properly date somebody, I would talk to them forever in the hopes that the more I talk, the more my disability would disappear. And so <laughs> now, like... Not so much, not anymore at all. Now that I'm like, now that I do what I do and I'm well entrenched in my identity, like, fuck, my disability is part of this and if you can't do it, get out. But when I was in my 20s, like, as a disabled person, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to just talk and I'm going to try to make you like me and I'm going to see, let, like, let you see past the disability. And so not anymore, like, now it's like, do you see this disability as an asset enough to fuck me? Let's see. And if I keep talking, then we'll figure it out. So, but I mean, I don't date so much anymore. I, I end up just like hunting for that good D and seeing if it's worth my time. Um, hunting for that good D. No, I'm on that good D hunt. I think it's just um, like if it happens, it happens like naturally and organically, like at bars. My work is like at night too. Like I do stand up. So I'm usually at like a club a comedy club or a bar or some sort of like venue yeah usually between like 8 and 10 p.m and it's like that's work even though i'm at a bar i'm in like a social place i'm talking to people laughing engaging having it's a drink work. it's still work so um it's this thing of like while well, everyone's leaving it's like i should go home i'm tired i just went to work i want to go home i don't want to necessarily want to like hang out and stay i don't love going out on like fridays and saturdays anymore because i'm out like weekdays yeah it's like it like i am you know so i'm gonna twist it i'm a party girl i love a party i love a good time i love to drink dance get into it but i think there is like a little bit of me that's like oh i've gotten a little bit older you just don't have time for shit anymore. That's what I it just is. don't have time for shit. So it's like hunting for dick on the internet is easier. It's preferred, but it's also easier when you're out of town. Yeah, when but, I don't when I don't have yeah because when you're out of town, then you can just do the thing of like in town until X, which is like such a code for just looking to fuck yeah like, i'm dts because when you're in town on like tinder it's like you can't you know what i mean it's like you gotta like pretend you got a cool personality and stuff <laughs> do, do you do that thing on on uh, apps where you like do you, do you like play up your disability do you like like because you're a stand-up like, like, what? but, Wait, but i mean like but i mean like do you like how does someone do that but is it something where you like not play it up, but I mean, like, do you, like, is it something you play with? Is it an identity that you, like, 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 when I go on the apps, I, I call myself Big Dick Cripple, and I play with, like, the fact that I'm disabled and it's fun. Like, is there a time on the app where that's workable for you or not so much? I think, well, I don't use OkCupid anymore, um, really. So I think but even OkCupid doesn't let you have screen names anymore. Boo. And I just use Tinder, so I think it's only your name. Boo. So it's like I don't get to pick a username. I don't think people, yeah, it's like you're just your first name now. 
But, um, I mean, like, I disclose my disability. I think, like, in my Tinder profile right now, it's, like, um, top dancing champion or something. It's, like, one of the things. It's, like, yeah, it's, like, L.A. native. Like, um, it's, like, oh, like, things I like. Like, a shortlist I like. Like I think like fedoras, stairs, mayonnaise, <laughs> and like underneath it, I have like, mayonnaise. And things I like are like crystals, like twerking, and like I don't know. Something. <laughs> I'm trying to remember like my profile, but I I think I for sure have like national tap dancing champion, and that's it. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure we found the title for this episode right there. Um, uh, so I want to make, one of the things you put in your questionnaire that I was immediately like I have to ask you about this. You said you asked like, "Hey, where are our romantic comedies with like a disabled lead?" And so I was curious because I've done some episodes about like, what if this romantic comedy had a disabled lead? How would this look and how would the story change? Like, so if you were writing a romantic comedy with a disabled lead, like, what would that look like for you? Like. If, Oh, you mean like the romantic comedy I'm writing now? No, um, write Amazing. it. I'm a writer. I live in LA. You got to do it. You got to make your own stories, right? Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I think it's just, uh, did you see like the whole like Rebel Wilson thing like blow up on Twitter where she like said that she was like the first like plus size woman to star in a romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, do you not know who, like, Queen Latifah and Monique are, you dumb bitch? Everyone's like, like, you're wrong. Wrong, wrong. It's like, you're wrong. That's really cute that you think, like, black women don't exist. Um, but that, like, my friend, like, Brie Pruitt, like, also tweeted about it, where it's like, why do fat girls have to have, like, such, like, ridiculous narratives for, like, their romantic comedies? Can't we just, like, have a romantic comedy? And, um, I don't know. I think it just would be, I do, I like have this idea for like a meet cute where, um, like I use a manual wheelchair and I take it apart to like put it in my car and then like I put it together and get back into it. But I definitely have like a scene, like the meet cute where I put together the wheelchair and I don't secure the brake. And it starts rolling away, and it rolls into the guy. And it's like, oops. Oops. <laughs> oops. I mean, I think that's... That, not- I think that's just, like, really... I mean, it's funny because it's also happened to me in real life. Like, the dude did not fuck me, but, like... I ended up being my boyfriend. But, like, it is such a... Such a like romantic comedy plot to meet cute plot device like yeah. how has no one done this before it's like oh because disabled people don't get their own stories told like, okay. <laughs> without tragedy without I without like without terminal something... illness and i'm gonna die yeah like... without something for an able-bodied audience to be like wow you're uplifting and wow it's so positive like yeah and i i also think you know when we look at those stories even when we have stories of positivity around disability it's typically white straight men who are disabled and then that's yeah that's part of the narrative so like, i think i don't want to see straight men white straight men i'm over it like no i and i, I mean I, if you're in a wheelchair sure but like, i mean so, if you're in a wheelchair all right you get you get all right okay but, but i mean but no we do need more female-led <laughs> stories in disability because disability is too white and i like i'm Speaking in my own privilege, I'm a white guy, so I, I know what I like. It's too white and it's yeah. too straight and it's too. So I think the fact that you're writing this is fucking amazing. And like, yeah. I... I mean, that's like, I, <laughs> I do comedy and reading, you know, things like Tina Fey's Bossy Pants, reading Mindy Kaling's books, like, really the takeaway is that you have to create your own shit. Like as a woman, as a woman of color, as a fucking disabled woman, yeah. no one's just going to hand you anything. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great. Everyone's interested in diversity. Mm, okay. That's cool. Show us the money. Show us the money. Actually yeah. hire people. But that also means writing the shit, coming to the table with like ideas and having it so that when people are ready to go 
So when they do so, come knocking, you have stuff to, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm like really excited about that because like I love stand up, I love performing. I'm really fortunate that I get to perform as much as I do in Los Angeles. I've gotten to travel, like I've opened for me in Bamford, and um, wow. yeah, I love her. She's incredible. She's so nice. Fucking awesome. But um, I think like the new chapter and like my um kind of career is like writing so writing the sitcom writing um writing the screenplay and like finishing that up so that i can have really cool fun things to pitch people yeah and be like not only do you have a disabled story it's written by a disabled person and uh you got your disabled lead yeah and it's gonna have a fuck ton of disabled people in it because shit so like no i think that's great and i am i just i love how I love how like you're like fuck it. This is I love how you're just like this is my jam. I'm doing it. Here it is. Like straight shooter, man. And you I, got it. I mean, it's just like there's like you started comedy at thirty. A thirty year old woman in Los Angeles. It's pretty much illegal to be like a woman thirty years and older in Los Angeles. Um, and it's of all of these identities that are just not really seen and not given a voice in the yeah. entertainment industry. So it's like, I don't have the privilege of just hoping people will take a chance on me or see me and be like, here are all the secrets. Here's like, oh, let me unlock all the doors for you. Yeah, You know what I mean? I have to approach all of these things like, you know, as just a fully, as fully capable as I can or as prepared as I can. Because, Does that make sense? Yeah, like, because no one's going to, yeah, because no one's going to hate But it's like, I have to, like, you know, on stand-up shows still, even though everyone's like, oh, we like booking diverse, like, lineups and stuff like that. It's like, it's a lot, oftentimes it's like, what, like, seven people in the lineup. Five straight white dudes, maybe one black person, maybe one black man, and then like a woman. And it's like all those five white dudes have the privilege of being different levels of good. One can be exceptional, one can suck, the rest can be mediocre. Yeah. Those other two, the black person, the woman, have to be exceptional. Otherwise, it's like this kind of dismissive idea of like well i guess yeah you know women aren't funny but <laughs> it's so, just kind of stupid because there's not that representation like the more representation we have the more we're allowed to just be mediocre and that would be pretty dope if we could just have like mediocre disabled people mediocre black and latino people getting paid <laughs> yeah exactly, <laughs> and being <yeah>. visible <laughs> um and so last question because you're awesome and i know you've got a million things to do like booking booking comedy things and and being writing a screenplay about awesome disabled comedies and yes um so but as a stand-up though i'm curious what do you what do you think is like as a disabled stand-up what do you what makes you laugh about sex and disability like what part of that makes you like just laugh i think the things that make me laugh the most about sex and disability is like the things that people will do to like try and make it not awkward like like this guy sent me a message it was like, um, I bet a lot of girls would give up their feet for a beautiful face like yours. And it's like, what? that is horrifying, but it's also so funny. <laughs> like, that he really thought that that was like, she's going to love this. Yeah, he genuinely <laughs> thought before he hit send, she's going to Like, gonna... she's going to, like, that took time thought and effort. And then he sent <laughs> that, really just thinking like, I'm going to knock her socks off. <laughs> and, wow. um, I mean, I like, 
just yeah not like I've gotten just like ridiculous messages of like you know why don't you roll on over to my place babe I want to spin your wheels I mean catcallers it's the catcalling thing is very interesting where um I mean yes I agree catcalling women don't do it but it feels also very like white feministy I'll also say that um but it's like the cat calling that I experience as like a disabled woman in a wheelchair is so often so just ridiculous. <laughs> like, so just like ableist. Like, hey, mama, keep wheeling. Ooh, mama. Like, <laughs> like, hey, girl, like, pop a wheelie on my dick. Like, it's just so. Pop like, a wheelie no, on my dick. Like, can no, we... no way, like, is like, no way this has ever worked. But like you're acknowledging my disability in a way that is pretty lol <laughs> yeah like and also let's break down papa wheelie on my dick if i did that your dick would be no more so fuck right. like if you don't want me to pop a wheelie on your dick trust like if i did that your dick your dick would be in shreds like let's 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 yeah. break it down um <laughs> this was such a fun conversation and you're awesome like i love that we just had to, we got to sit down and just have a chat and I love that it was all over the place, and I love that you were, I just, I really enjoy you, and I will be, like, telling everyone that I know about you, because you're awesome. <laughs> Let me know when you come to LA. The next time I'm in next. town, yeah. I will, yes, I, for sure, we'll have a drink at a at a bar, and I'll prove to you that I'm not a serial killer. It's, it's good. I love that. <laughs> right. Danielle Perez, how can people get a hold of you? Because I want everybody to know who you are and how to reach out to you. Oh my gosh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Diva Deluxe, no E at the end. And um, check out my show dates at thedaniellepérez.com. I perform all over Los Angeles, but I travel a lot too. If you want me to come to Canada, if you want me to come to your city, wherever it is, just call and email your club and say you want to book Danielle Perez. I can think of two or three accessible clubs in Toronto that should book you at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, call them, email yes. them. Let them know you want to book Danielle Perez. Yeah, and I would be so happy to come out there. Uh, fantastic, Danielle. It was such a pleasure to have you on Disability After Dark. You're hilarious. You're great. I love you. When that script comes out, um, let me know because that, that's there may be a part in there for me as like the gay, sassy, disabled friend. I don't know. Let me know. I love it. Yes. All right, we'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Bye. One of the things I love immediately about Danielle was that she takes no shit. She knows who she is, and she's comfortable in that skin, and she does not have time for your ableist bullshit. And that's what I felt uh, when I talked to her. And I love this interview so much because of that. And you can hear that when she shares the stories with you during this interview that she is well entrenched in being a disabled woman and does not have time for you. And that's there's something really powerful about that. And some of that confidence, definitely, I could I need it to rub off on me. And I hope that it rubs off on some of you listening because I felt like it was a really important narrative to sit down with a strong disabled woman who just knows who she is. And that's that's powerful, and I'm really glad that Danielle got to do that with me. And, Danielle, when you're casting that disabled rom-com, and you need, if you need a sassy, disabled gay friend who also takes no shit and spills all the tea, let me know. I want to be that one. Sign me up. Um, but I hope you all enjoyed this interview. If you want to be a guest or put in a Minnesota, email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. I'd love to have your voice included here. Um, thanks for listening. Before we go, though, there is one podcast that I want to tell you all about. And this is a podcast by another disabled creator called Handy Queer. And it came on my radar probably about two months ago. The teaser came on my radar. And the host, Molly, just released their first episode the other day. And I just want to glow this one up. And I highly recommend this because it's another podcast about queerness, sex, and disability from a completely different perspective and I think that's really important and I just want to give that show props and let you all know to go on your podcast machines and listen to that show because it's another disabled creator telling their truth and I want to just give a shout out to that show it's great the first episode was really funny really raw really real um, and Molly is going to be on the show at some point so have a listen and um, 
let's support disabled creation. Alright, but that's it for me. Bye, thanks! Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations 2018